When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wasps and Worcester, yeah? Yeah. All right. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. The podcast about rugby doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB, alone in the dungeon. Uh, and before we kick off, actually, I'll just tell you where you can find this podcast. You can find it on Twitter. We're at Rugby Podcast. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on all the other great podcast providers. But enough of that, because we have two people down the line. First of all, with ideas well above his station... Much like wasps. Tim Cocker, how are you? <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I'm all right. I've, I've found, managed to find, apparently, the only place in West Wales with 4G. Wow, well done you. Incredible. I don't know where I am exactly as a result. I just kept driving until two bars of 4G popped up on my phone. I've no idea how I'm going to get back, but I'll work that out in a bit. Amazing. And, of course, the other guy who's not here but has Wi-Fi equal to that which was in the Worcester Academy house, Phil, how are you? Hello, JB. Very good, thank you. And hopefully I'm the, uh, the finest broadband money can buy here. Yeah, I, I do spend an awful lot on broadband, an awful lot. It doesn't seem to make any difference. It seems to go higher up on your little counter thing when you test, but actually, in, you know, in combat, it makes no difference. <laughs> yeah, this is a hostile situation, of course. Yes. What's more, I, what's more, I can actually say that I have had, uh, I, I've done my radio show remotely from various locations before, and made sure I called ahead, organised that the Wi-Fi was of a certain standard, uh, okayed that with the bosses, and then got there, and the Wi-Fi was dreadful. And I've actually done a radio show using my f- uh, a 4G hotspot off my phone. Incredible. National radio has been done on 4G where Wi-Fi couldn't work. So, yeah. Anyway, well, uh, the sacrifices we make and the commitment we have to bring in a, po- a, ru- a podcast to slice rugby every single Monday morning is why we're all here once again. Where are you, Phil, by the way? Uh, I'm now back at home. But I, 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 was in, um, I was in Wales today. So I was in Beth Gellert today. Um, but I've driven back, as is my sacrifice to the pod, uh, I'm also working tomorrow, and I've t- brought the kids with me. Uh, so I've just had the transition from car to hopefully yeah, a right. sleeping bed of, of the kids. Yeah, yeah right. Fair play. We've had a bit of a communication breakdown this week because I didn't actually read any of my messages. So it came as a complete shock to me that neither of you were here. Um, <laughs> I, otherwise, I would have stayed in Wales. But you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. So at, can at I least, just say? Could have been our first all Welsh pod. 
Yeah. Just on on the rugby thing, and I know obviously it's the national sport in Wales, and the football team's very good as well, but I love, and Louis actually, uh, he clocked, he said, you can go into a Morrison's and buy a rugby ball. Hmm. It's a very small little thing, but like it is. just you go into a regular supermarket and there's rugby balls there. Well, in Tesco, just outside of Conway, you can get the horrible replica shirts. Do you know the ones which are just generic red with a dragon on? But they sort of imply that you might play rugby. I mean, you'd never play rugby in those things. They're cotton and they're very heavy. But, you know, they're there. The, the kind of thing that your nun might buy you for your eighth birthday. Yes, exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. And then you get bullied by all the other kids for having the incorrect <laughs> kit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, some crazy goings on at, at the Premiership th- this 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 week. And if rumours are to be believed, come Monday morning, we might have not one team disappearing, but two teams, which is quite astonishing. Yeah, it's really good having you as a financial advisor, JB. Can you just explain what this means for Worcester, firstly, who have been served a winding up petition? Well, I mean... Now, well, I mean, so so the, the one thing that, that initially that just means that's like, OK, they can't pay the money they owe. So winding up petitions that people are going to come in and see what assets they have and divide that between the people they owe money to and the business will no longer exist. Or is it a way to hit zero in maybe a slightly um, ethically poor manner and then suddenly resurrects from Worcester Warriors, which goes bankrupt, to Worcester Diamonds yeah, Limited. OK, so some good questions there. So, first of all, uh, the winding up order means literally just exactly what it means. They owe, they owe lots of money, and they haven't paid it. And if the amounts which we're led to believe are true, in the region of £6 million, uh, yeah, that's not small beer. So they're on the hook for that. How it's got to this, I, I don't really know. I don't really understand how a club that makes no money or any club that makes no money keeps on getting hit hit for tax bills. But that's by the by. Um, probably v, probably VAT and the like. But they owe a lot of money in tax. Now, to your second question, which I think is probably a bit more interesting. Um, there are internal rules in rugby against this. So Worcester Warriors will probably never disappear. Probably never. Because... You just buy the brand, don't you? you? You buy that limited company, and one of the assets of that limited company will be the brand and the name. And that could be for free, that could be for £10, it could be a million pounds, it could be £6 million, doesn't really matter. But that brand, I assume, will always be around because it's valuable. So, for instance, if no big spender comes up and says, look, I'll rescue Worcester today, and you're not going to go to administration, Worcester Warriors will continue. If they do go into administration... Uh, somebody inevitably will go and buy that brand for next to nothing. But here's the kicker. As a club, they will need to get relegated because those are the rules of rugby. So you can't go into administration uh, unless you're happy to be relegated, uh, I believe, all the way down to the bottom of the pyramid. So that's where they'll be going. Yeah, it's what happened to... Was it Richmond, London London Scottish? London Irish. No, not London Irish, London Welsh. Uh, London Welsh as well, yeah. Yeah, um, where they kind of restart again at the bottom of the pyramid. Now, can I just so they... say, it's not nice for the people lo- losing their job. It really isn't. But you know, if you look at the social media feeds now for London Welsh, they strike me as a club who are in rude health. It doesn't. It is not the end of the world. It might feel like it if you love your pro rugby, but it really isn't. Uh, it it will be 
it'd be very um, frustrating for fans, and it could be um, absolutely brutal for players or not just players, but any employees of these because these are these are decent sized organisations that employ hundreds of people, yep. and there'll be lots of people really seriously worrying about this, really seriously worrying about the their financial future and yeah. their well-being. Com- com- completely agree. Uh, I mean, I think that is obviously the most serious aspect is the people that are going to lose their jobs because we're not uh, about to enter an economic boom. So, you know, every every job is valuable. Uh, so from that point of view, yeah, it's uh, it's very serious. But just from a pure rugby sporting point of view, I, I, it, it's not good, but it's not the end of the world. Clubs reinvent themselves all, all the time. And I'll say the same for Wasps too. Yes. Is it, I, I, I mean, that's good that you've clarified the what administration means for a club because I, I have seen sort of whispers of people sort of not, I think understandably, not quite being able to believe that um, this could be the reality um, and thinking, oh, this might just be a way of wiping the slate clean and carrying on. No. <laughs> but that, no, no. That's not, that, that's not something they're able to do. Equally, and I, I'm... It's not. It, how do I say this without saying I told you so? But J- JB, particularly, you were very, very vocal when when the lockdown started. That like, this is no joke. This is no joke. It's not this a joke. Is, yeah. This, this is this is one. This is one of many. You multiply this by thousands, millions of businesses. This yeah. is this is what's going to be the reality. So, but anyway, that's straying off the topic of rugby per se. Well, yeah, yeah just, no, it isn't. Isn't. I mean, we said to me that you know, as soon as the lockdown hits. How are these clubs going to survive? I mean, mm. there is a miniature version of the lockdown, which you can sort of see um, in the future. And what I mean by that is some clubs, in fact, all clubs, if Wasps go under and if Worcester go under, are going to be without four home games. Now, four home games isn't the same as lockdown, but if you do the numbers, say, for an Exeter who make about a million quid a game from, from a home game or turnover of a million quid... You know, that is like, you know, just like the lockdown, you, you, you're losing lots and lots of revenue. Look at what happened to Leicester Tigers in lockdown. And they announced <clears> how much money they make on, on match days. It's really, really serious. So initially, you've got four clubs, sorry, four games which are not happening because two clubs might drop out. But actually, those four games which are missing from the rest of the league are really serious to well-run clubs who rely on things like match day experience in order to generate money. So no, Tim, you're absolutely right to point out that you know we we said at the start, you know, when lockdown hit, the numbers don't add up, and they never did. And, and this is so the point you just made, Jimmy, is a very very good one, and it's actually um, thinking back to a bit of news from about six months ago, probably just slightly less than six months ago, when Worcester failed to fulfil a fixture themselves, costing what um, Gloucester Rugby have indicated was. A quarter of a million pounds, two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. It was the actual bottom line effect to Gloucester by Worcester yeah. themselves not fulfilling a fixture. And it's almost doubly disappointing that Worcester failed to fulfil a fixture, knowing that they were going to give that consequence to Gloucester when they are on the other end of the consequence. They're feeling the the pinch as well. It's yeah. it's frankly it makes what was a very disappointing situation. I, it actually makes me a little bit angry that Worcester did that. Yeah. It's really, really frustrating. And if, if you were Gloucester, you would be seething because Worcester should know exactly the pain that they were inflicting on Gloucester. Yeah. Well, there's a bit more to Worcester, I suspect. So there is there is a lot of uh, rumour 
flying around, none of which I can substantiate. But there are there is an establishment of three new limited companies. Uh, for what reason, I do not know. So there's like, I think it's Worcester Medical and or Six Ways Medical and Six Ways, various things. So the rumour was always that the owners were more interested in the land than they were the rugby club. Um, the other thing as well, and I've not looked into this, but apparently you want to be looking at the case of Hereford United. Everyone's heard of Hereford, Hereford United, right? Right? <laughs> well, they, they, won, they, they famously won an FA Cup third round fixture against one of the massive teams in like the 70s other than that no yeah well i've not heard of hereford united but apparently this is the case study you want to look at because one of the guys involved with colin goldring and dave seymour and everyone else who took over when they took over was um involved with hereford united and something very similar happened to them they bought them for the land the land was redeveloped the, the sports club disappeared so, yeah, there is. There are other things that the fans think. I don't know. I have not looked. I've not looked into it yet. But it's all. I won't say it's seedy. I just, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just disappointing. Disappointing for the, pe- for the people involved. And the, there's there's consequences, obviously, for the league that we mentioned before. T- two or four fixtures that could potentially be taken out of the calendar. Yeah, and there is. We, we touched on it briefly before, but there are big consequences for a big number of players as well. Because if you're if you work behind the bar in Worcester or um, you work in the gym there, there, there will be other jobs you can you can move or find an alternative employment. For a lot of the players, there is wow <laughs> who are paid a lot of money. There yep. are relatively few um, alternate employers. And yep. the vast majority of them operate under a salary cap. So <laughs> some of the discussions that's happening there are going to be very interesting to see what ha- what exactly happens. Well, let's just hold that thought because I think it might be a good time just to think about the situation Wasps find themselves in. And then we'll come back to the players. And the reason I want to go over to Wasps is just to link it in again to what we said previously about COVID and why I think the Wasps situation is slightly different and in some ways, even more of a shame because I think wasps. I think wasps could have actually made this all work. If you think about pre-COVID, they've got one of the best grounds in the league. You know, they were selling out. Well, they weren't selling out, but they were selling lot, uh, selling lots of concerts. They were doing some very interesting things, and I admire people that take a risk. And things just didn't go their way. I don't know how you keep a facility like that um, in such hard economic times, and that's the one which I think. Is more of, is more of a shame in some ways because I don't think that they got into this situation because they were overly greedy or for anything else. I just think that they took a big risk and sometimes you need to take a risk to be successful, and that's just the way it crumbles. Really, you, you're quite right. They they took a risk, but it was a risk on a, a kind of known entity in the stadium Rico yeah. Arena that was itself a legitimate business, and that allowed them to. Um, Okay, oh, the plan was that was able was going to be financing and propping up them to create a an overall legitimate sustainable business, which not all rugby clubs are, yeah. um, which we which we know clearly, and it is exactly as you say, Jerry. It was a a gamble, um, one that was probably in their favour until COVID came along and meant you could not use the vast majority of these services. They could not sell the services that their business um, offered. They had and- some crazy situations over. 
uh, over there during um, during COVID. And uh, it's not just COVID. I don't want to say I don't want to let people off off, off the hook for decisions. Mm. Um, but this is one which really got me. And I think there's a situation like this in Wales actually. But when they got to the semi final, I think they had a home semi final. So the laws said you couldn't go to a live sporting ground, but you could watch from the bar. So Wasps have got this enormous bar. Uh, and they basically had hospitality in the bar. And through the windows, Wasps were actually playing, but they had to close the curtains so nobody could look at the rugby. They could what? watch it on TV. Yeah, you, you could watch it on TV in the room. That yeah, you're sitting in, you, you could actually sit. look at the screen and behind the screen would be the real-life <laughs> players playing, but you had to have the curtains drawn. Yeah. I worked I worked at that game and I, just as you're saying it all again uh, I, I and again this is straying away from rugby slightly but I, I'm I'm so angry for so many reasons at what we've been through the last couple oh, of years I, and, and, the, and the the one thing I would say about rugby is and it's at the um it's like it should be a barometer of what's to come elsewhere because uh, industries like sport are at the very tip of the spear of what's to come because they rely on revenue of sponsors and advertisers for one and they rely on people having disposable money which they choose to spend on a leisure pursuit like coming to watch rugby and Mm. buying buying merch and all that and if i'm just saying that this is this is just a the prelude a a forewarning of what is to come for millions yeah. of people and i and, and i just i cannot get past being livid at the whole thing but particularly when you know uh, it's gonna it, it could have as you've already pointed out and i hadn't even really considered as, as obvious as it is i hadn't considered the the spiraling effect that this could have on the league and clubs which might think well, we can probably just just get by this this season a couple of million quid in lost revenue could could be yeah. fatal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just back to that. I, no, I actually won't tell you what I would have done to uh, the people who, who who suggested the solutions that, that we got. Let's uh, move on to the players. So, <laughs> the players, the players. Uh, you know, there's different ways to look at this. Um, who gets affected most? Um, you might not think the highly paid players, but obviously there is some consideration for them as well. Now, there is rumour, and I think Charlie Morgan reported this in mm-hmm. The Telegraph, and if he didn't, I apologise to whoever did report it in The Telegraph, but it's someone in The Telegraph. He, he did, if it's the one I think you're going to mention. Right. It was Charlie Morgan. Good, good. Every article should be written by Charlie Morgan, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. Right? So, um, uh, they are thinking of relaxing the salary cap rules to sign Wasp, uh, sorry, Worcester, and then I guess Wasp's players, late, later on. What are your views on, on that, before I make mine publicly known? It's, my initial views is, from a league perspective and a comp- competition perspective, I don't particularly like it. Mm-hmm. Um, from a player perspective, I can understand it, because you, you can empathise with the players and think, what, what's their alternative? But from a, from a league perspective, I don't like it, because you're, you compromise something that creates the competitive league that we like. And yeah. it's, it's, it, it's in there for a reason, to create the parity, um, and you're just going to bend it at will. Um, so, yeah, sympathy with yeah. the players, but I don't like it from a league perspective. Yeah, if it was if it was uh, 
here you go, there's have an extra two million pounds and then you knew that or a million pounds, whatever, and you knew that the clubs would spend it because it wasn't money they've had to find out of nowhere uh, when they've already done their um, budgets, then that that that'd be one thing. But it's like some clubs will spend it. Like Steve Lansdowne will be delighted that he gets to spend more of his yeah. more of his money. But there'll be new Newcastle Falcons are like, well, yeah, we'd love to, but no. Or alternatively, there'll there'll be knock on effects. There'll be unintended consequences down the line for other people. Uh, who's someone who might just be literally about to sign a three-year deal. I actually, no, we're going to sign you on a one-year deal and you're going to be gone because we, there's another player come up. So yeah, at this yeah. at this particular moment, just at the, on the, on, close to the start of the season, it's I, I'm kind of with Phil. I, I, I don't like it. I think it will, it will unbalance the uh, competitiveness of the league, which, whether you like the salary cap or not, was actually a, a feature of last season in a lot of respects. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just just one more thing, because, um, and I, JB, I think you've probably got more interesting points, but one last thing, I, I said empathy with the players, but that's only the players of the clubs who would be directly affected by this, i.e. Wasps and Worcester, who would, would potentially find themselves without a job. You would, all the other players who had their salaries negotiated uh, when the cap was five million, or under the, the previous co- conditions, and have t- some of whom have taken significant pay cuts, this would kind of go against the sacrifice that they've made as well. Yeah, so, that's a very so good it, shout. It, it creates it creates unfairness in that dimension. Yeah, and I, I think the other things you've got to think of is it rugby is unsustainable. Okay, the salary cap has come down; it makes it a bit more sustainable. But then, just asking a couple of owners to pay a lot more money uh, isn't really the answer. Also, it punishes the clubs who have invested in their scouting and their recruitment. Leicester Tigers have done a wonderful job in this regard. Exeter Chiefs work very hard on it. A lot of clubs work very hard on it. But the fact is, the current champions have worked so hard on it, they are now the best team in the league. And I don't think it's fair to penalise teams or rip up the rules which have built their whole um, success around just because... It's expedient, and it's one of these short-term solutions that we're seeing more and more with society. Uh, you know, something goes wrong with society, where you're quick to say, "Oh, we must change something immediately. We must get an immediate result." When actually, the problem is far more systemic than that. What I would like to see going forward is the people who are in charge of representing players and looking after their interests stepping up and actually carrying the can for this. So. A rugby player, their job is to play rugby and they are very focused on playing rugby and that's why they get paid a lot of money to do so. As a consequence, they outsource their financial decision-making and one of the people that they outsource their financial decision-making to is their agent. Uh, you know, I think the agents should be far more responsible when making deals in terms of making sure that the team that they sign for actually has the money to pay them or is a financially secure team. If you're putting your client with Worcester because they've offered uh, you know, 30, 40 grand more, you must, you've got to ask yourself, well, why are they offering 30 or 40 grand more? Why don't they feel that they can compete um, you know, normally? Uh, and the reason is, A, they've not been successful on, successful on the field, um, but B, you know, they're all fa- fa- financially insecure, and I think that agents up and down the country should now take a, a bit of a learning experience from this and when they're signing big deals they need to ask the 
club if they can guarantee that they can pay it. Now that could be putting part of the money aside, that could be you know directors' guarantees, that could be securing the club assets to the contract, that could be writing the contract in such a way that it's incredibly penalising for the club if they don't pay it. But I think these are some of the things that agents going forward have to think about now. And gone. JB, I was going to ask. Uh, so, what happens to the uh, assuming Worcester goes into administration and the the, the club dissolves? Yeah, the prof- the professional entity, like you say, the the rugby in Worcester doesn't end, and there's you know ten years from now there could be a really good positive story. So let's just focus on the logistics, though. What happens to the Premiership shares? Yeah. What happens to CVC's stake? Do they do they? Uh, yeah, I just I don't I don't know how, understand how these things work yeah, in okay. terms so, of the the intangible, not not the physical. There's obviously the physical assets that's the ground and stuff. Would that have to get sold, and then, um, and then the profit pays off the, the creditors, or or does or does does it just get bankrupted and then the owners get to sell it and start? No, no, no. So so uh, a trustee. Well, I, I mean, I don't know how. I've I've never been through a bankruptcy. I, I know uh, I know some some of the theory behind it, but certainly. Um, you would have a trustee in bankruptcy gather up all the assets and then start selling it and then be a priority order of payments to various people. And right at the top of that payment list would be wages. I think Phil is in a better position to answer this because he deals with construction workers and they usually have contracts rather than just full-time employees. So I'm not sure what that means for the players because they've got they've got contracts. Do they have to pay the full contract out? I, I don't know. I, sh- I assume they would do, actually. But you'd go for so there's probably two bits. You'd if they are being liquidated because obviously um, insolvency can come in many forms. So liquidation or receivership or administration, mm-hmm. administration being you continue uh, trading as a going concern and operate the club. But if we if it gets to liquidation, then it is you, exactly as you said, JB. You would liquidate, i.e., sell all of the assets, and there is a hierarchy of. Um, creditors and you would pay them in in order of that hierarchy and i would assume that um players and uh, employees would be the top because you're right even though they'd have a contract it would be a contract of employment so they would be paid early on but whether they would actually get paid um the full value or pence on the pound or anything at all um frankly depending on what the assets are is um, to be determined. Yeah. But actually, probably the, the more interesting point for me certainly is the what you've just mentioned, Tim, about the um, their stake, because the Premiership, obviously, the stake in Premiership, um, Premier Rugby, they own that. That has that has a value, but it only has a value if other people are willing to buy it. Uh, yeah, it's just running through that That's... now. So Premiership Rugby made a bit of a rod for their own back, haven't they? Because they've told us publicly what they think the shares are worth when they quoted Ealing to buy them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So they can't just say, they're worthless now. Um, I mean, they might be, actually. Now, from Worcester, it depends, doesn't it? Like, do Worcester... OK. It, first of all, you need to find out, are there any covenants on, 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 uh, on these shares? Like, it might say... There might be a contract in place saying you can only sell back to the existing to, shareholders or yeah, you know, yeah. something like that. Um, if there's not... Presumably, anyone can buy them. So if Worcester think, um, well, actually, uh, we don't want to sell these back to the premiership clubs because they're not giving us fair market value, there's no reason why they couldn't sell them to another CVC type. 
Potentially, yeah. I mean, Unless I, there is, like, like you say, the covenant, um, something limiting who they can be sold to. Yeah. Uh, which, which you probably, I mean, most most contracts are drafted for the one in one million chance. Like they're, they're drafted considering um, insolvency or the the um, force majeure never event types type thing. So you would assume that there is restrictions on that. You can't just sell them to. Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or who, You'd whoever imagine might it would have to, to go to another rugby club who had qualified to play in the Premiership. I know Leeds Tykes, as they were, their shares went to Exeter Chiefs. Yeah, but whether that was brokered through the Premiership and you know, everyone gave it the nod. I mean, I don't think Exeter Chiefs bought those shares uh, against the will of everyone else. If that makes no. sense. So yeah, I, I have no idea. I've heard. I've heard they're worth around £17 million. Uh, and that would be based on a value I heard prior to CBC taking over, but also based on the valuation they gave to Ealing, who I think they were told it was £20 million to join, weren't it they? It was, yeah. Yeah. So that gives you a value. That was right. Yeah, so, you know, a league minus two teams, £20 million quid. I think if I was Ealing, I'd offer them five. Uh, yeah, I was going to say they're not getting twenty million for them anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, unless, unless now here's a here would be an interesting thing. Unless one of the Welsh regions thought to hell with this, we're getting um, having a hard time with it in the, in the URC. Maybe Cardiff or Ospreys. Cardiff could, Blues um, be cool. Could put their hand in, or the WRU could say, "Oh no, we'll we'll buy one of them and put." Put a, a team into oh, the Premiership. Imagine that getting into bed with the, with the snakes. W W R U. That could oh. be possible. How many other? I mean, how many other the, buyers are there? You've just reminded me, Phil. Was there not at some point with Worcester Warriors some talk of Scotland Rugby Union buying in? Oh. That, I seem to. I vaguely seem to remember that. Yeah, maybe. Oh, let me just do a quick search. Well, you two keep talking. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, if I was in a situation where I had a club about to go bankrupt and go, you know, looking for a new buyer, potentially going into receivership or, or liquidation or administration or whatever it is, I'm genuine when I say this, there's only one director of rugby that I'd want in my corner. And thank- <laughs> thankfully for Worcester, they do have him. You know, it, this, everything else I've said... I've said with yeah, at least a little bit of thought or background knowledge, and this is nothing more than an article of faith. But I'm pretty sure that if there is a solution to be found for Worcester, it's going to come from someone who knows Steve Diamond. I guarantee mm. it. In fact, I guarantee it that nobody will know. Nobody has the connections that that man has, and nobody can talk as enthusiastically about rugby and sell you the dream of rugby better than Steve Diamond. I mean, believe you and me, no, and no one would be able to answer my question of whether there is a loophole that can be found (laughs) (laughs) to save or avoid a cost of millions no one would be better at that than steve oh uh, he knows everything he knows everything there is to know he knows everything like there might be better better directors of rugby just on the pure rugby side i mean not many and not by much 
But I honestly do not think there is anybody in all of English rugby who knows more top to bottom about running a club from how to handle a disciplinary to how to write a contract how to write an NDA lots of NDAs loads of NDAs um, to you know how to buy a ground how to develop a ground the whole lot he knows everything about everything so I do genuinely think if there is some salvation it will come through Steve Diamond and if it can't come through Steve Diamond well enjoy level 10 well Steve Diamond was um, formerly a named director, I on company's house, a named director of Sale Sharks until he departed. Yes, and, I, and when, when it was his departure was announced, I was checking, maybe not daily, but certainly weekly, to see when the notice <laughs> of withdrawal of this um, directorship actually came in. And it was it was a couple of weeks after he um, his departure was announced. He was formally taken off. Um, company's house now just just, just back to sorry tim back to your um observation on the sru so i've got i found an article from 2017 so uh, a year or so before goldring and whittingham bought worcester that does indeed link the sru scottish rugby rugby union to um taking over and buying worcester warriors but it, there's not a huge amount of info. It was just a kind of rumor at that time that never materialised. Hmm. But it'd be a good, it'd be a good route in for. I think the, the Welsh one is a great shout. Yeah, yeah. it makes sense, doesn't it? Ge- geographically, 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 it works. And from from a uh, URC and doing something different with the Welsh talent. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. It also works. Yeah. Now, let me talk about the RPA. Um, mm. So I, I, I want to be clear on this. I do not blame the RPA in any way for what is happening at Wasps and certainly not at Worcester. The only people to blame, as far as blame can be, a, be apportioned, are the owners of these clubs. That, 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 that is it. Um, I think from the players' point of view and how they sign their contracts and how they look for... Uh, job opportunities, maybe. In fact, actually quite a lot of blame can go on to the agents because they shouldn't have put their um, clients in financially unstable situations, so fine. But what could the RPA have done differently? Or, more importantly, what would the RPA do going forward? So, I don't know if you know this, but there's a economic saying, an economics 101 saying, which is you get what you regulate for, you get what you... Um, you get what you incentivize or subsidize and you get what you measure so i think that the rpa should take a leaf out of stonewall's book 
and the National Rifle Association's book, uh, Strange Bedfellows, and start <laughs> measuring the financial stability of rugby clubs. They should send out some form of questionnaire and the rugby clubs would have to fill these in and they'd have to demonstrate with some evidence that they have a plan for the next three years. Now, that could be not spending up to the salary cap. That could be uh, money ring-fenced from the owner, just in case. It could be a commercial strategy. It could be um, uh, um, eventing revenue. It could be anything. Well, it could just be Steve Lansdowne posting a snapshot of his bank balance. Yeah, it could be absolutely anything, but they have to prove it. And if they prove it and the RPA are happy, then they put them onto a league table of financial stability. And the, and the clubs that do not report back uh, either don't get a score or the, or the RPA advise agents and players not to play for that team. And I think it works both ways because oh. if you think about banks, uh, as I sometimes do, but nobody thinks about where to put their money. They just put their money in the bank because they know if the bank goes... Uh, um, under, or there's a run on the bank like there nearly was in 2007 the, the government will rush to bail them out and so nobody takes financial, financial stability seriously now I argue that if a couple of banks went bust then people, yes they would have lost out, but by now we'd be thinking very seriously about the financial stability of banks, and I kind of think a bailout for the clubs, or a change in the salary cap regulations now, is effectively going to be a bailout for players and agents making bad decisions and allowing rugby clubs to run in a silly way. I, I don't think there's anything impressive about um, hiring two British and Irish Lions like Worcester do uh, and, not, and not being able to pay them. I'd rather them be operating at one-third of the salary cap. That, that, that's what I'd like. So I think the RPA, in the same way that Stonewall completely changed the scenery around employment with their diversity league or what was it inclusion league table should start putting the clubs into a league table of financial stability every six months maybe and the clubs have got to report back and if they lie on their reports well that'll be fraudulent and uh, that's what they do and if they don't want to um send their reports back then the journalists will have to be asking them questions as to why are you not doing this what have you got to hide or, or, or at least you go well. If something like this happens, you, your empathy for the player is like, well, you, you took the big money. Yeah. Well, but, but that 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 choice, choices and consequences. Exactly right. It's no different to buying you know low grade low grade investments. You want a bigger return. So if your club has got a poor financial score, you go in and you ask for 40 k more. Likewise, if you're say a very stable club, you ask the player to take four. Uh, you ask the, the player to take forty percent less, or sorry, or forty grand less, not forty percent less. So it's actually in clubs' interests for, from a negotiating point of view and getting more out of the salary cap to absolutely to get themselves up. I think that's, Jay, that is a fantastic solution-based um, idea for for given the situation we're in. And this is something that I'm always really quite proud of. What what this podcast does is whenever there's a a, a moment like this. We, we we come with one of us or between us collectively will come with much more robust thought through solutions than a lot of the reactionary stuff which you will get which you know i i agree with you completely just saying oh yeah yeah increase the salary cap to get these players in doesn't no it's not going to solve yeah, the it, problem is it it doesn't solve anything no so yeah that so i'm 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 
as, as I said before, on that salary cap thing, I think that that will create more problems in other dimensions than yeah. than the short term one problem, uh, one solution. Um, on this, I think it's a nice it's a nice idea. My concern about it would be so. We, Jay, do you ever come across uh, D, DNBI reports, no. Brad Street type reports, which basically is a financial report akin to the the one that you you've just mentioned, um, which is available for any, any company, um, and it will tell you the financial health. It ranks them out of a hundred mm. and gives them a failure rating, and there's, there's a lot more information. But basically, it's looking at their their year on year reports, cash flows, um, in and out, assets and liabilities. And it's a useful report for normally operated companies. Mm. The problem is that the majority of rugby clubs are not normally operated companies. Like yes. If if you looked at their balance sheet and their cash flows and their assets versus liabilities, you, you would basically say maybe eight out of ten rugby clubs these these shouldn't exist. They're insolvent. <laughs> they, yeah, they, these these are balance sheet insolvent companies, um, but they are. Um, still operating due to the generosity um, of a few rich individuals. That's and so re- really the, the thing that to, to make the report worth um, anything is how much is Steve Lansdowne or Nigel Ray, how much are these guys actually enjoying this? Yeah. Play, uh, do they have thing? owner fatigue yet? As, yes. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what it hinges on. And if they pull out, if they get bored and decide to spend more time on their yacht and less time putting in broadband into the Worcester Warriors Academy house, then you've got a problem. And that's something that you can't create a league table or score to measure, really. I do agree with that. But I would say that actually owner cash. So, you know, Simon Orange being very, very enthusiastic very enthusiastic about sales sharks and disclosing how enthusiastic he is is a great you know i mean that's a great reason for me i'm I'm like yeah tick that or tony rowe saying look i know i'm not really the owner but i'm happy to hand over a couple of million you know whatever the thing is that needs to be disclosed Uh, and it doesn't need to be disclosed and published but the score will be published and I think that's quite a neat little way because I would also have another score, which is how much of the salary cap are the teams spending. And then I'd have a ratio out of the two. And that'd be really cool data to have every every six months. The, the salary cap would be really interesting. Yeah. Even if it was just, yeah, a ratio, um, anonymised, you, you don't need to know who, but there must be a way of um, just giving us more information on the salary cap to, yeah. to improve the transparency and therefore exactly... Like the. The thing that you are advocating, which I'm 100% for, is allowing people to make better decisions. Yeah. And, and at the moment, people are not, they've not got the ammunition to make those good well, decisions. You almost have to have like a forced altruism type approach to this because I know what's going to happen. People are going to say, well, we're going to have to have more regulation or more checks on owners or more. But actually, if we just do simple things like measuring things, you know that sort of pressure will help, and the RPA are actually the perfect people to uh, to go ahead and do this, and it fits in with their ethos because I've spoke to people in the in the RPA and I've heard them talking uh, before about how they view the game. There's not many trade unions in the world that would say, "Yeah, we'll take a 25 percent pay cut," mm. uh, or "Yeah, it's okay, we'll operate underneath a salary cap." And I think that's quite a brave decision for a trade union to make, bearing in mind that 
their ultimate aim is to make more money for their members, but they're mm. you know they've got a, they've got a bigger. Or should I say, a wider world, a wider world view than than most others, and they think making the sport sustainable is, you know, a thing they should aim for. So this actually sort of coincides with what their mission statement already is, which is making it more sustainable. But they need to put pressure and public light on the clubs, and that's how you get owners who will behave more in accordance to how they need to behave. Mm-hmm. You can't just expect them to. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, mate. Mm. I'm with you. Do you know what, in addition to just highlighting just what a horrendous, horrific, whatever, both those words apply, uh, decision lockdown was, Mm -hmm. um, this also just puts into sharp focus as well. Can the people that, that like, and and that that includes us and anyone who listens to this, clearly enjoys rugby enough to spend time listening to us chunter on about it. And anyone else who enjoys the game from a participation or a spectating or TV watching point of view, can we all just focus on enjoying the product and letting people know what's what's great about it? And maybe when we can secure the future and sustainability of the sport we love, then maybe we can solve all of the world's ills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Why do you want advice about solving systemic social problems from a league that can't keep its members solvent? Do you know what I mean? Like, It's like taking advice from uh, the least successful person on your street uh, about you know, whatever it may be. You know, someone who can't get his life life together you're now asking for advice on all sorts of things that's what the premiership is and that's why it's such a joke you know if they i mean the first thing simon simon massey taylor should do is fire everybody involved with the communications everybody i mean he has what i'd consider one of the easiest jobs in the world because he'll be judged relative to his predecessors and his contemporaries inside the organization i mean i could do that anyone could do it anyone could do it <laughs> no- I'd love to see you as head of comms of Premier Rugby. It'd be it'd be awesome. There'd there, there be there'd be some changes. There'd be some changes. <laughs> yeah, it's all. T- yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Now, what do you think well, the players we, would do? Oh, oh, what do you think the players would do out of interest? Because I find this source of intriguing. If they had no rugby to play all season, because I think they would get some money, because they'd be very high up on the priority list to get paid. But they wouldn't have any games to play. What do you think that, that they would do? Well, I, I think it's uh, it's too far. I'm just, I was just thinking as you were talking earlier about players in the Worcester squad and what my what I might do if I was um, if I was Ted Hill mm-hmm. or Duan Van der Merwert. I, I need to play because there's a World Cup yep. next year. Yes. Uh, if I was if I was an aging prop who maybe was thinking this might be my last contract, I'd go. Do you know what? I'm going to spend the next year on the beach because I've earned I've earned a bit that I so I don't have to worry immediately, and I'm probably going to get at least a significant chunk of my contract that they owe me for doing nothing. I'd have to put my body through it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, there's another conversation going on uh, in rugby at the moment, and I think this is not another RPA thing, but it might not be. But they're thinking of putting up a transfer list so everyone can see who's available and who's not because there's over 100 guys without a job as it is anyway. Mm. So the Worcester and the Wasps guys, if it came to it, would all join this transfer list. Now, 
on the one hand, I think there is too much professional rugby anyway, right? So, I, I, you know, a deduction of four games from the season, yeah, it's going to have adverse consequences across the sport, but I'm not going to miss four games. In fact, I think it should a reduction of four games should be welcomed. Mm-hmm. Um, as for the players, depends how good you are. I mean, if you are very, very smart, you would sit on the sidelines until one of the big teams has a big injury and, and can use some injury dispensation, particularly if they're a top 14 team, and go over there for lots of money. Mm-hmm. Just sit on the sidelines and, and wait. It's a very common strategy in the NFL. And if you want to keep your uh, your fitness up, I guess you could go and train with a local club. <laughs> you could go to the championship. I mean, you could train with premiership clubs, actually. That happens all the time. Yeah, have you seen Regan Grace has done his Achilles? And uh, have you seen who's apparently being jetted into Paris? Who's that? Christian Wade. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Christian Wade didn't jump into any contracts. Um, <laughs> I, I think I know why he didn't sign a Wasps contract now. <laughs> but, yeah. That would that would be interesting. Oh, that, that, it's annoying because I was looking forward to seeing uh, Regan Grace. Yeah, and Achilles is a bad one as well, isn't it? Yeah, Probably. especially if you're a sprinter. I mean, he's, he's definitely young enough to be able to recover from that and get back to full speed in plenty of time, but it, it's a shame. Yeah, it's like one of the... It's like that saying, it, um, isn't it? Money won't make you happy, but crying in a Mercedes is much better. Yeah, <laughs> And that, being injured um, is never good, but being injured on a Racing 92 contract is far better than what you were previously on. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we, we can jump back to the player thing in a minute, but um, I, I just want to bring in this email we've got, contactedchasers at gmail.com. And at this point, I just want to say, we will do, we're, we're all separate from each other, and this is very much a personal story, but we have seen all of the emails that have come in, and we will get to those in a um, in a more regular pod, and also we'll be doing more of those um, team season previews. We'll, we'll wait and see um, what's happening with Wasps and uh before we commit to doing theirs, but um, Andy Annett has con- uh, got in touch. Contact Chases at gmail.com. Uh, and he points, he says, uh, No doubt this will be part of this week's pod. So, a simple question How would you feel if you were Elon looking at all this? Robust finances and <laughs> blocked from get- coming into the Premiership due to an undersized stadium. Who would be the more valid member of the Prem? Hmm. I mean, it's a nice question with hindsight, isn't it? Uh, I don't disagree with this. I don't really disagree with the decision that was made that Ealing shouldn't come up. Uh, they made the decision to ring fence, and that will be that. And also, the problem with Ealing ultimately is it doesn't really fit geographically with rugby's plan. So I think rugby kind of semi wants to be a, a regional thing. Where do Ealing put their academy? Mm. You know, I just can't see how that works. But maybe with Worcester gone, I mean, it's a funny-shaped geographical area, but they might be able to make it work. Mm. Yeah, who knows how that's going to play out, whether whether Ealing would would even want to now. They might might just say, no, Um, that lost interest, or certainly um, unless unless the um, financials totally change, they might not say it's not worth it. Yeah. Um, uh, just back to their academy. A part of the Premiership rules now means you've got to sign up to the Premiership Academy. Uh, sorry, the academy system. 
So wasps can only go into wasps areas and you know so on and so forth, and it's very very uh, tightly regulated. And clubs hire ex-hardmen to make sure that no one's on their territory. So I believe that like Pete Anglesey it, does it for sale. Um, I th- is it Dusty Hair? Maybe I mean he's not an ex-hardman, but he is the guy who does it for uh, Leicester. So they're all sort of defending each other's territories. Ealing have a remarkable advantage over all of them which is they never had to sign up to the academy system and i think most teams now if they were given the option mm. would probably say yeah i'll i will uh, i'll not sign to the academy system because then i can poach players from everybody else's ge- geographic territory yeah yeah it's a fair point yeah so i'd probably just build my build my young talented squad paying them lots of money and then show up in in one go ah <laughs> oh, dear um, has there been any, any other news this week? If there has, well, it's been dwarfed by this. This, this is the biggest. There, there was some news Monday or Tuesday. In um, Ian Foster did get the full backing of the board um, after his win vote, last weekend. Vote of confidence. Yeah. Yes. Now I, I did take that as the non-dreaded vote of confidence, the, yeah. the good version of the vote of confidence, not the bad version of the vote of confidence. Well, he's got to go to Australia next, is it? No, he's got to go to New, um, Argentina next. Or Argentina's got to come to him. Yeah, it, I mean, he's basically had the toughest games. Two two away matches in South Africa are always going to be the toughest games. So wherever he's playing Argentina and Australia, you'd expect him to win three of the next four games. Yeah, yeah you would, wouldn't you? I mean, so maybe. The All Blacks weren't good. I think that's the first and most important thing to remember. But maybe he just had a bad run of games. So if you put the loss against South Africa at the end of the series, so he wins one against Ireland, he loses two against Ireland, and then his next one, two, three, four, five games are wins, and he loses one at the end to to, uh, South Africa. It doesn't look so bad. No, and you are right. I think he's... I think... um... New Zealand fans, rightly so, because they've been at the top for so long, have just got so used to winning. Like yeah. Richie McCaw, I think his his win rate as captain was nearly ninety percent. He's over a hundred percent, Phil. Uh, oh, sorry, yes, one hundred and ten percent win rate as captain. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> never, never, never committed a penalty as well. No. Never ever got penalised for a single thing in one hundred and forty-seven Test matches yep. as well. Um, so you can. You can understand why people get a little bit concerned, but um, I, I think we're in this this position. Which we, I think we're in a, a very good. The international game is in a good place where there is half a dozen teams who are all capable. Maybe maybe slightly more than that, um, who are capable of beating anyone else on their day. Yeah. And so you go into a World Cup next year, where probably because it's a home World Cup, France will be narrow favourites, but you would not be surprised if. Ireland, England, South Africa, New Zealand. Even Australia um, even, could get on a roll. Even, uh, yeah, right. even Australia. And, and even teams like um, Wales and Argentina, as, as examples, and Scotland, and potentially Japan, they can beat any of those, or almost anyone else, but they their chance of winning the seven consecutive games that you've got to win is much lower because they might have a, a one in ten shot of beating one of the big dogs, whereas the others, 
Yeah, it's on, isn't it? It, it, it? It's on. It's, it's 60-40 or 50-50 for most of the other teams playing each other. Yeah. That's, a, that's a really exciting position to be in going into a World Cup. So I'm just imagining the meltdown if Argentina beat New Zealand on New Zealand soil. Uh, again, oh. that, that would be... <laughs> Oh, the, the last one wasn't on New Zealand. No, it was on Australian it? soil. So they kind of, you know, forget that. Yeah. So they still got the, the home, home record. Yeah. in Yeah. In Ardennes back garden. I'd love it. I'd love it. <laughs> uh, fingers crossed. We can, we can uh, wait and hope. We can but dream. Yeah. Well, that, uh, that is... The only other... The only, sorry, go on. No, I was going to just talk about the fixtures next week. But yeah, if there's other news... Yeah, well, that. there is one fixture. Oh, yeah. Which well, Tok H playing uh, Baron McGuigan's Rosendale. Yeah, J- JB's Tok H Thursday night. Not in the lights because Rosendale don't have lights. Can you believe Rosendale don't have lights? Do they not? I can't believe that. So when do they train in winter? So when's kickoff? Kickoff is seven o'clock. Okay. So we played Stockport this week, this Friday, and it didn't go quite according to plan. Stockport are the outstanding team of last year's level six. They were unbeaten. We were the outstanding team of level seven. We were unbeaten. We went there and with our first team, probably against a weakened Stockport team, we were ahead at half time. And mm. then we did not do so, too well towards the end. Two consecutive yellow cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't go, didn't, didn't go well, but it is preseason. And we showed up with very few, very few players. We are strengthening the team considerably for Rosendale. And I think it'll be closer than, pe- than, than, than people expect. I think mm. Rosendale will get within a few scores of us. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, good luck with that one. Um, before we go on to the other features, just yeah, a couple of things that the rugby paper and various people have been um, talking about is that, and, and talking of Worcester, regardless of uh, all the instability at the club, Northampton have been um, sniffing around Finn Smith and Dan Bigger's contract is up there at the end of the season, so the thought is that Dan Bigger will move on somewhere else. Vince mm. might be the um, the heir apparent in the ten shirt going the other way, uh, go, going to Saints. Um, as for uh, Cam Chick, has not yet um, signed a contract extension with Newcastle Falcons and London Irish are monitoring that situation. And the other one is that. Uh, and there'll be a lot of these post World Cup, the more experienced, slightly older, older players. Um, uh, Jack Knoll after the World Cup off to France. Oh, is that a fa- mm. is that official? Not official, no. But yeah, likely. Well, I mean, yeah. it's hard. Where do you spend your money? I mean, it, I think rugby is becoming so much like the NFL in terms of how the pay, players are paid. I wouldn't give Jack Knoll another big contract. It's not because I don't like him or I don't think he's a brilliant player. I think all those things. Just wouldn't give him another big contract, mm. would you? Would you say that's that's my three hundred thousand pound winger? I, I, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be big money. He, he's a hell of a player, hell of a talent, but he's he's had injury problems, um, and he will be un, if he's fit. He will be unavailable for whatever it is 10, 11 games yeah. of the season. If you go through the the guys who are getting older now, Dan Bigger is a great example. But look at the the whole England team when they come back from the World Cup and the World Cup semi-finalists, and they're expecting big new deals. I'm not sure I give the big new deals to those guys. I think you look at the Finn Smiths, actually, or the Seb Atkinson, or, God knows, Ted Hill, or... 
you know, lots of Worcester Warriors actually who have got some some good young talent. Mm, Ollie, Ollie Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's loads of them, loads and loads of them. Uh, but yeah, these young these young talented lads exist in all the other clubs too. I mean, look at the decisions that Leicester, Leicester Tigers are going to have to make. They're going to have to let somebody go. They have done some great business this week, by, by the way. They've nailed down Montoya for a little longer. Uh, did I see Chesham has signed? Two, uh, two Chesums, I think. Two Chesums? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think so. I think it was both Chesums. A so, brace of Chesums. A brace of Chesums. Wow. That, 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 that's a good hunting trip. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I think, so I think I'm allowed to talk about Chesham the Younger now. I was sworn secrecy. I was told that under no circumstances can I mention Chesham the Younger because nobody knows about him and he's meant to be the absolute real deal. So Chesham the Younger, watch out. Lewis Chesham. Yeah, he's an absolute monster. And I think he's about 12. <laughs> he's, he's either 18 or 19. Yeah. Um, and he, he was one of the two um, who signed. Oh, look at that. See, this is why the salary cap works. Because if you look at this, some of the young kids coming through now, they are awesome. Absolutely mm. awesome. So I think that's it to so the fixtures this weekend, Phil. Fixtures are uh, the fixtures that count. Um, we've got Australia host South Africa and New Zealand host Argentina. I think the Argentina-New Zealand game is going to be far more competitive than South Africa-Australia. So you're saying a big win for South Africa? Yeah, I don't think... I mean, I keep saying this about Australia, and they always prove me wrong. They have much more fight in them than I give them credit for, or than, or that I give their national stereotype credit for. Um, so I expect... I expect Lucano Amonco to absolutely brutalise these, these boys. That's what I expect. Whereas I kind of expect the Argentina-New Zealand game to just be wild. <laughs> Um, uh, I think I, uh, Austra- Australia have uh, put the call out for Bernard Foley, someone we were talking about. Have the, they? The other week, yeah. Ah, that is interesting, yeah. That, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to these games. What time are they, Phil? Um, so these, these because they're um, in uh, Oceania or Australasia, however you want to say that continent, um, they are early morning on Saturday. So 6.30am is the Australia game. And eight forty-five AM uh, UK time. Uh, BST for New Zealand Argentina. Oh, well, I'm, I'm all right with that. That's good. Excellent. Mm. So yeah, we. Just, I, I think. I think South Africa will win, but South Africa rarely win big. So, they, they, it's just not their brand of rugby. They, they crush you and suffocate you, um, and then kick you to death. But they, mm. they rarely win by. Um, big, so it's a good point. When you've got a crash ball ten, it is difficult to win big. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I think South Africa will win, but I think they'll win by by one score. They'll win by seven points. Um, and New Zealand, they've got to win this. They have to. They can't can't do anything else. They, everyone will be calling for Fozzie to go again if if they do anything other than a uh, fifteen think, or twenty point win. Honestly, I think that. Um... Argentina are good. Like they, they they're are really good. quite good. And they're quite exciting and they don't seem to be bothered by travelling too much. They're sort of a Wales type team, which is 
their domestic rugby is in such a shambles that the international team is all that matters. And you see a, diff- a different side to them. I- I'm really quite confident that they'll do something. Mm. I, ho- I hope so. I-, I hope we get two really good games because the, 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 the games so far have been excellent. It's been a really, oh. really good tournament so far. I tell you what I want to talk about. I completely forgot about this. And then we can and then we can leave. Um, this week, there were some figures released from the URC and their television viewing uh, and their t- television viewers. And I tell you what, it's pretty impressive. You're looking seven, eight hundred thousand people watching, which by Premiership standards is bloody good. I mean, really. Is that, an, is that an average across the whole league, or is that just no? The, the, these were. Um, Specific games that they were highlighting, so a biggest yeah. like Ospreys game, biggest Cardiff game, um, so on and so forth. But they 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 were they look really promising. And that was with the that was with the South African yeah. TV audience, right? Yeah. So I was thinking, oh, well, that's not so good. But then I thought, does it actually matter? I mean, it doesn't really, does it? If eight hundred eight hundred thousand pairs of eyeballs, there's still eight hundred thousand pairs of eyeballs. Well, that, that's that's the thing. That's that's why the South African teams are so attractive because you've got a population of fifty-five million people yeah. who love rugby. They even even if a small percentage of the total, and it's a relatively big percentage, but even if it was a small percentage of the the, the total loved rugby, um, that's still a lot of people. Yeah, and also. The Irish might not have liked losing the the Rainbow uh, whatever Pro Fourteen, um, no URC. Um, they might have hated it, but I wouldn't be surprised if in the long run they wouldn't mind throwing a few more URCs to the South Africans because mm-hmm. when those South Africans get behind their team and they start filling up their stadiums and you really get the passion of the South African supporters, they're the match that they're they're a match for anyone. I mean, mm-hmm. I think yeah. For years, I've watched Super Rugby in empty stadiums. It looked terrible. But this looks like it's really working. And I can't believe I'm saying it, but it does look like it's having some, some success. And if they if they are successful, that's all that matters. But it's yeah. sort of a nice little full circle to end the podcast on, because whilst I don't really like it, and I am slightly cynical about it, and the disparate populations of rugby fans and the lack of rivalry, mm. blah, 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 Actually, if it means that there's all of these rugby clubs there in 10 years' time, maybe even thriving, then crack on. Yeah. If it means Leinster losing a final, who are we to argue? <laughs> <laughs> or, or a semi-final. Or a semi, even better. <laughs> right, nice one. Very right. good. Okay, we, gents. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to try and um, get together um, very soon for extra pod oh we've got to got got to get some be some extra maybe a post byron beef um i'll see i'll see or or even patreon extras i'll see if byron wants to do a podcast with us next week so we can really grill him Uh, he will if he wins so i don't think he'll be available (laughs) (laughs) do you hear me (laughs) mcguigan end on that let the boys play let the boys play Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.